Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And welcome to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Michael McNamara via Zoom. Uh, neither one of us is in the studio. Mike from sunny Florida and me from my home in Westford. How are you doing, Mike? You with hey, us? I'm zoomed in and ready to rock and roll, my son. All right, we are. We are uh, our tech. We're tech savvy now, you know. We've, we've <laughs> but by the way, I found out how to silence my dinging emails. I found. Oh, I you found, did. I found the do not disturb button this morning on my computer. <laughs> so you might not be interrupted too much with my zinging email. I think it only it only took us eleven months to get the the technologies uh, smoothed out here with uh, with WCAP. Uh, all right. Well, uh, so we have a we have a, a continuation of a show that we started a couple of weeks ago, uh, which we. Titled "Get Braver or Poorer," and uh, we'll jump back into that in a minute here. If you have any questions today, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can give us a call nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. Again, that's nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero. If you want to shoot us an email, that works as well. It's questions at mcnamaraonmoney.com, and you you do have the email up, even though it's not going to ding, right? So I wonder. Uh, that's right. I'm watching it, and folks, you know, we're pretty easy to talk to. Like we, you know, you could call us on the phone we promise to be nice and you know not not uh, be overbearing or blow people up we never we've no, we don't do that to callers right just we're no, easy we to talk to and hopefully speak english you know so yeah hey. maybe our maybe our ratings might be better if we uh if we were a little bit meaner to our callers but that's just not our style or if i had more colorful titles like be braver or be poor oh, or something no like we do that. have those yeah maybe we, <laughs> we could get even more inflammatory titles yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well you know it's it's a little pizzazz to get people to listen that's all you know yeah yeah <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you're going you're gonna to be the, the host today. So uh, where do you want to pick up? Do you want to, should we, uh, what should we do? Should we summarize? I guess we should summarize what we're talking about here. And, and you know, the, I think the gist of this show and the last show was that, um, you know, the, the, with interest rates where they are, uh, it's, you just don't get paid anything to be conservative. And that's just sort of a, a reflection of the market where we are, right? You've, you've never really gotten, you've never really been able to make money without being, without taking some risk in an investment portfolio. Uh, but I think now is it's, uh, you know, the differences between being aggressive and being conservative are, are, are starker than they've ever been. Is that a pretty good summary? I think that would be a wonderful summary, my son. Yes, indeed. Uh, you, you just, um, 
we're going to, the short story is, and, and again, this is, let me skip to the end first and we can work our way backwards. Uh, the, the, the folks at uh, Charles Schwab uh, and, and, and a few other folks we know and, and ourselves included, you know, historically over the long run, uh, you know, stocks have earned, you know, nine or 10 or 11%, depending on how long you want to count for. Uh, we, we think if you get lucky for the next few years, you might earn seven seven in stocks, not eight or nine or 10. We, we hope we're wrong, folks, but we, we think for a variety of reasons that, that your returns on stocks aren't going to be your grandfather's or maybe even your father's returns going forward, but that's okay. It is what it is. Uh, the, the real bummer uh, is that, okay, for most of the investing lives of most of the folks listening to us, they've got this idea of bonds being safe, uh, guaranteed, little risk in paying five or six or seven percent a year and uh, we don't think that's happening anymore we, we've had a 30 year 30 plus year period of time again an investing lifetime for most folks listening to the show uh, where interest rates have gone continually lower uh, they've gone from in 1980 government 30 year government bonds were paying like 14 or 15 percent and today they're paying like 1.9 okay so when you have interest rates going down anybody who owns bonds there this is like bond holders heaven if you own a five percent bond and the world goes to four you're looking pretty smart you're making money sort of a thing so so the the whole perception of bonds as being conservative well I, I guess the point is they're, they ain't going to be as conservative as they've been for a long time going forward, our guess, and we'll explain that. And we spent a long time uh, in the first show kind of giving you the skinny on, on the bond world. Okay. Uh, and if you missed that show, I think you can get that on our website, right, Jess? We post the, the replays of these on the website or someplace, right? Uh, I believe we do. Yes. Uh, yeah, is it is it up and running? I don't know. We had some tech issues last time, but we well, uh, we'll have to check with director. Talking, you you got to talk to Alyssa. She's yeah, director, she's not your co-host. Director of uh, technology or something like that. Have an that, answer right? to that one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but if you want a replay of this, get a hold of us. We'll get you on on the bonds. But yeah. you know, we're gonna we'll go to the other side today and talk about stocks. Okay, uh, and yep, the risks are still there, and you're getting paid less. But you know, the 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 world is where it is. We think that both the stock market and the bond market are at all-time highs or pretty well it's easy to say on the stock market for both they're, they're basically virtually at all-time highs yep. and if you look out five or ten years from an all-time high they don't go to the moon they're, they're probably going to have some difficulties and so so we think that we're guessing that if you're lucky for the next five or ten years stocks are in seven and if you're lucky for the next five or ten years bonds are in two i didn't i said two folks you know plus or minus right now you can buy a 30-year government bond for 30 years and get a guaranteed 1.92 or you can buy a 10-year treasury bond guaranteed no risk at 1.13 okay so number one there are much lower uh payouts from bonds in terms of the interest and by the way bonds when interest rates go higher bonds don't look so good in fact they go down in value and and so so bonds are just have more risk and they're less conservative than before and you really have two choices you can say i accept the fact that we probably are going to have low returns and maybe adjust your life or your savings to fix that we'll get to that in a little while folks or you can say uh, I, I guess i'm going to have to get a little braver if i want to accomplish my goals uh, easy to say and and by the way, not not necessarily easy to do for, for most folks, given the circumstances. But, yep. So we, we spent some time on bonds last week. We're going to spend some time on stocks this week. I'm going to try to finish that up and kind of get to the point about what your choices are uh, after we explain things. But we, we kind of spent uh, two hours last couple of weeks ago saying bonds are more risky than you thought. And I guess I'm going to spend an hour and a half or so today suggesting that stocks aren't quite as risky as you thought. OK, uh, if you understand them sort of a thing that sound that sound like an OK summary. Or? Yeah. And let, let me just, yeah. you know, again, I know we went, we went over this last year, but, you know, if, if you look at and, and I know that you you out there, the listeners probably could find a chart like this. But, you know, if you just take a look at the inflation rate, and I think what we're talking about really is, is you know, when you when you talk about not making any money, you were talking about real money after inflation. And if you just charted the rate of inflation versus, say, the 10-year 
your treasury rate, which is a good, uh, you know, kind of a good, you know, uh, a good proxy for the bond market. You know, there there was usually at most times in history, the what you earn in a government bond, which is a very very safe investment, has been above the inflation rate, right? I mean, you know, it, it, back in nineteen uh, in nineteen ninety, there was a gap of about a three percent per year, right? So, and you know, the uh, uh, the inflation rate was around four and a half, which which was not again not great, but you know, on a ten year treasury, you could get seven point eight four percent, right? Even in two thousand, the gap was three percent per year, right? It was it was inflation was about three, and then uh, was about and then uh, the ten year treasury was three and a half. Even in, in two thousand, the gap get gets smaller, but you still earned about a point and a half over the inflation rate. And now we're at a point where there there is essentially the same, right? At the end of 2020, um, I'm sorry, the beginning of 2020, uh, inflation creeps up over the 10-year treasury rate. And that's where we sit. Uh, that's where we sit today. And so you're, so, so you're basically losing money after inflation. Right. And by the way, our definition of real money is pretty standard. It's called real return. You take away inflation, but you also have to pay taxes. So you get to spend, folks, what's left after you adjust for the effects of inflation and you paid your taxes. And right now, bonds are in negative real return territory, plain and simple. The other kind of bad news about bonds is that the, the only reason, uh, honestly, that we, we own them in our portfolios is that they cut down the excitement of the volatility of stocks. They usually go a little bit higher when stocks go a little bit lower, not all the time, but usually. And so they're a good buffer, okay? It makes it a little bit less exciting to own the stocks in your portfolio if you, if you have some bonds mixed in. Well, yeah. they, they don't have that buffering quality anymore and, and, and are probably going to be poorer at doing that going forward that they've done in the past. And I've got some pretty interesting numbers. I don't know if you had a chance to read all the stuff. I actually spent several hours this week doing this show, getting this research just now. Wow, even after thing. the same, even after last uh, week, you yeah, added I mean, on to it. That's here? right. In, in warm, sunny Florida, when I could have gone fishing, I decided I'd spend some more time doing this. I just want you to know. Anyway, uh, so so bonds have lost their luster, and and uh, stocks continue to be exciting, uh, and, and probably will learn less. And either you can accept that and make some changes in your life for your savings, or uh, you can choose to get a bit braver to hopefully accomplish your goal. So here we go on the stock side. And Justin, the, the plan, we may never get there, but I'd like to save the last half half an hour for the last piece of this about what are you going to do about it or what is, you know, what people's, what kind of actions can you take or what can you do about this given, given where it is? Either you accept reality or you get braver. And both of those come with adjustments and changes in risk. You know, risking your lifestyle is an adjustment. You know, if you have to cut down your expenses, expenses to, to deal with lower returns sort of a thing. Anyway, all right, so let's take a look at stocks uh, and, and very quickly, well, actually, I don't do anything quickly on the radio, very quickly or very slowly. Okay, when you own stocks, there are two, there are several risks, but the two big ones are default and volatility. Okay, uh, and, and by the way, the catastrophic risk of owning a stock, okay, is that if you own one company in your portfolio and it goes bankrupt and out of business, okay, that, that company defaulted and you just lost all your money. So, so, so without question, I want to be crystal clear that the catastrophic risk in owning a stock, a ownership in a company is default. Okay, that's the biggie. And it's pretty interesting because it's a pretty easy one to solve, okay, and significantly reduce that risk. And it's just called numbers, okay? If you own one stock in your portfolio in retirement, it went to zero, your retirement plans are in trouble. If you owned 3,000 stocks in your portfolio and one of them or two of them or 10 of them or 20 of them or 30 of them went to zero, you didn't know about it. So folks, it's the, the wonderful thing about diversification is it literally, I can't say eliminate, because, you know, theoretically, all the stock companies in the world could go out of business tomorrow and, and we could go back to the Stone Age and you could lose all your money. But if you buy bunches of companies, okay, all over the planet, small, medium, large, yada, 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 if you do that, your default risk is negligible and you need to understand that, folks. Okay, so the big one people don't really understand, but it's easily solved. The, the most famous one is the volatility part. Stocks go up, stocks go down. 
Okay. Uh, and it's the price movement of those stocks from day to day or week to week or month to month uh, that get people excited what, one way or another, right? Depending on which direction that volatility yeah. is. Okay. That's what, makes us, that's what makes the news. Yeah. That's what makes the news. You know, folks, you don't get paid. Okay. Without taking risk. If, if you hear the word guarantee, you're not going to make any money after taxes and inflation. Write that down. Okay, that's how it works. Okay, anyway, okay, so, so on the volatility side, okay, um, the last two big bear markets we've had, one in the 2000 to 2002 kind of time frame, and that big mess in 2007-89, the United States stock market went temporarily down in value about 50% each of those times. Okay, that's a pretty huge chunk of volatility over a period of time. In fact, it could be terrifying. Okay, that last hiccup we had, what, last February and March in 2020 with the COVID hiccup. Yeah, March and April, yeah. I think I'll call it the COVID hiccup. What do you think? Something like that? Okay. It's it not as, a, no, we got to come up with something scarier than that. Something scarier than that. <laughs> COVID yeah, catastrophe. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Maybe we can discuss that. That's a good name for a show title. No, folks, that's that's not us. We don't we don't do uh, too, excite, too much excitement. But anyway, so the bottom line is that COVID hiccup was a down 34%. Thankfully, it only lasted like 23 days before it started to get better. And six months later, you were, you were even. But the bottom line is it's the volatility that scares the heck out of investors. Okay. Yeah. And, and the media piles on and the world is coming to an end. Folks in our business, I've been in this business 40 years. The world comes to an end about every four or five years. That's That's been the story of my life. Sometimes a little longer and sometimes a little shorter, but that, 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 that's the that's the story if you read the news and for some strange reason it hasn't but anyway the volatility thing okay there's a couple things you can do about it you can reduce it well if i owned 100 percent stocks and the stock market goes down 50 percent i'm temporarily i said that folks i said temporarily down 50 percent by the way you've lost 50 percent of your money if you sold when it was down but if you hung on and it came back you didn't lose anything you were temporarily down course, you had to believe that it was going to go up if you were going to sit there and be miserable. But anyway, the, the, the bottom line, okay, is that you can reduce the volatility by having a 50-50 stock and bond portfolio. By the way, you're going to reduce the return too, folks. Hello, they're collected, but that's okay. So bonds can reduce the volatility in a stock portfolio. That's one way. Or the other way to deal with volatility is to accept it and in your life, be prepared to deal with it. You know, so what does that mean? Well, if you're saving for retirement and you're not yet retired, okay, and you're investing in, in a whole lot of stocks, and if you're on your younger side, you should be doing that, you know, maybe what you do is have a really big emergency reserve so that, you know, if the world you know, gets into a bad time for a year or two or three, you don't have to go sell any of your stocks to make your life work. So there are things that you can do in your life, whether you're retired or whether you're saving for retirement or whatever, okay, to buy the time to wait for the volatility to get over. That, that's the trick to this. You have to have the courage to figure out that it's going to end and the world's going to be okay. And you have to have the time, okay, in your life, usually in the form of cash reserves or stored away income to wait for that to get over. I'll take a breath, my son. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's right, and and you know, we 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 hit that a lot, and I, I think I would say that people are are sort of more and more comfortable with that, and uh, I think you know, if we look back at our at our business, say uh, in two thousand, I think people have learned a bunch since then. I think the, the average investor is a bit more informed and, uh, you know, maybe it's just us. Maybe we've been working with our clients so long and, and they've been listening to us on the radio that they know what we're going to say. Uh, but I think most people are fairly comfortable with that and fairly comfortable with diversification. In the well, that, that's the, but that's the universe we know. We don't know about the rest well, yeah. of the universe, right? <laughs> maybe but, that's right. Well, that's because, but Justin, that's because we trained them. Yeah. Okay. We educated them. We held their hands. We gave them a dope slap. We did whatever we have to do to get them through that first 
first or second bear market. And then they say, oh, that's how it works. But hopefully yeah. folks out there with financial advisors or without know that. But, you know, I don't know. We'll, I guess we'll see, given the, the situation. By the way, the same dumb things happened in that hiccup last year that have happened before. Uh, and so who knows? But yeah. I hope you're right. I, I, I hope you're right about that, I guess. But you know, I think also we, we live probably now, you know, now we live in in much more of a world of, of uh, funds as opposed to individual stocks. Right. I mean, and, you, yeah. know, you, you started out as a stockbroker. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't I don't know how many stockbrokers there are anymore that are just selling individual stocks to folks. Obviously, people still buy them, um, you know, as as, uh, as evidenced by the news yeah. over the past couple of weeks with all the funky stuff going on with, um, you know, with <laughs> with AMC and. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what's the, what are that? What was GameStop. GameStop with AMZ and GameStop. But yeah, I think more, you know, most people have most of their funds to say in a 401k, which are all in the fund world now. So yeah. hopefully, fingers crossed, we're, we're getting a little bit more used to the fact that the market goes up, the market goes down. And yeah. as but, long as but, you're diversified, yeah. uh, you probably aren't going to, well, you're not going to lose all your money unless we have a real, real problem. Yep. Uh, and, and and if we have a real, real problem, losing all your money won't be your biggest problem, yep. uh, to be perfectly honest with you folks. And so, you know, get over it uh, is my short story. Um, anyways, so, so the bottom line is you can easily take care of default. You yep. can reduce volatility to a level and your return to a level that you're comfortable with or that you need to retire. Yep. That's good. Okay. But you can't eliminate it. That's how you get paid. Okay. Yep. That folks, that's how you get paid. And, and the flip side of that is, and, and, and I'll be happy to entertain anybody who wants to call, but most of the time in recorded investment history, okay, guaranteed investments, if you take a look at what you actually got to keep after taxes and inflation, paid you very little, if nothing, if not a negative real return. And that's certainly the case today. You can buy a 10-year yep. you know, United States Treasury bond for 1.13%. Well, let's see. In a 2% inflation, inflation world, you just lost money and you haven't paid your taxes yet sort of a thing. So the, the guarantee, I don't want to say it's a scam, but the guarantee is overly hyped. Okay. And yeah. you had to look under the covers to kind of see what's really going on. Uh, okay. With that, before we move on, so risk, okay. Volatility and default. Okay. Diversify and deal with it. That's the story. Understand it. Okay. Moving along. <laughs> So, Justin, I That's guess what we tell our clients diversify yeah. and deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I certainly do, and I'm sure you do, but probably more politely. Much okay. More, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, okay. So, so I guess the the thing that you need to understand or folks need to understand uh, 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 about the stock market, okay, is really. You're owning a bunch of great companies if you own, you know, if you buy the S&P 500, which is a, it could be a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund that owns the 500 biggest companies in America. That's a proxy for the stock market. Okay. Uh, and so the, the thing that you need to understand is that for all of your life and for probably the lifetime of stocks that have been in existence in this country is that companies okay and and and, and therefore stocks you're they're interesting companies they have gone up over the long time relentlessly over the long term relentlessly with some temporary downturns that are scary as hell maybe that's the best way to say that yeah and folks you need to understand why it is that stocks go higher almost all the time, forever, okay? Uh, not guaranteed, but that's been the case. You need to understand that to be able to believe it, to get comfortable with the volatility that you see day-to-day -day in the stock market. And, and the short story is that, okay, the, the reason that, that stocks go up, and I'll use the word companies instead of stocks, the reason that companies grow in value is they continue to make more and more profits over time. Not all of them, but most of them, okay? Okay, in the capitalistic world, I hope it's still politically appropriate to, to plug capitalism. In, in the capitalistic world that has brought us all of our lifestyle and quality of life forever, okay, uh, if you make more money, companies become more valuable. And thank goodness 
that has been the case over long periods of time for a long, long time. Okay, there's a wonderful website. I think I quote this website every time we do a show. It's called uh, the S&P 500 at your fingertips. Uh, It's part of a bigger website called Political Calculations. And don't be turned off that it says political. But anyway, if you go to the sidebar, okay, or just Google S&P 500 at your fingertips, you can put in your birthday, okay, and, and see what the stock market has done for your lifetime. And it's pretty powerful, folks. On average, companies grow their earnings over the long run. And if you have thousands of companies, you got yourself protected against the ones that didn't work so much. Okay. Uh, and, and it's it's a lot easier to think about owning a bunch of quality companies and giving them enough time to grow than it is to go into the stock market and try to play GameStop gambling or whatever the heck is going on this week. Uh, you know, the, the, the gambling uh, scenario du jour in the stock market sort of a thing. So stocks over the long run historically have gone up. And the reason is growth of earnings, growth of value. Go to that website and check it out, folks. Okay, I'm going to give some odds. Uh, by the way, you didn't see this until the new one this morning, Justin, and maybe yeah. you haven't had a chance to do this. But you know what? This is probably a good time to do this. So don't look no, at that out. Don't look at that outline. I'm going to give you a quiz. I'm going to. You know, we are. It's. I think we're up against a break. Oh my gosh! All right, the, like, the quiz comes after. All right, so the quiz comes after our break, Cindy. Okay, we'll do it. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside Mike McNamara, live from Florida today. And we are talking about our <laughs> our inflammatory show topic, Get Richer or Poorer. And we were just about to jump into a quiz, but uh, I should mention we, we're live in the Merrimack Valley today. If you do have a question, please don't hesitate to give us a ring. Telephone number is 978 454 4980. That's 978 454 Or if you'd like to email us, uh, you can shoot us an email questions at McNamaraonmoney.com. All right. So I was up for a quiz. All right. So I sent you the updated outline this morning, which I'm sure you haven't read. So I'm going to give you a quiz. Okay. Yeah. You, re- you ready like for this? Re- I, I, the co host is, is uh, React, right? That's. that's so I- <laughs> If I knew well, all the stuff you were going to say, it wouldn't, yeah, be, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be as natural. It, it's right. It wouldn't be as much fun. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, folks, so, so here's the point. If you own a good-sized collection of stocks, diversified meaningly, okay, for a long enough period of time, you have some overwhelming odds to make some positive returns that are pretty interesting. Okay, so that's the, I just skipped to the end. Yep. Okay, so, so here's the quiz. And I have one, two, three, four, five, six quiz questions for you, my son. You ready for this? Okay. Okay, okay so, so the, here's the deal, folks. We're going to look at the performance of the 500 biggest companies in America, the S&P 500, okay, over different periods of time from 1926 to 2020, 94 years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So in 94 years, if you owned, okay. Okay. And we're talking rolling one year period. So, uh, uh, you know, the one, uh, one, one year period is uh, January to December. Another one year period is February to January. So in other words, you know, monthly, yearly periods. Okay. If you go back to 1926, yep. there are 1,129 one year periods of time. Okay. Okay. What percentage of the time did you receive a positive return from the S&P 500 Ooh. in any rolling one year period of time for 96 years or 1,129 possible one years? That's a great question. Um, 70%. Ooh, okay. Well, you sure you didn't read that? Okay. <laughs> well, you th- I mean, you think about it. The market is mostly going up. And- there you go. Remember that, folks. Okay. All right. Second question. Three-year rolling period. By the way, 852 out of 1,129 
possibilities, right? right. All right. And the, yeah, the whole the, the thing with the, the the rolling period. So like you know, this one this one the first rolling period, and then the next rolling period of one year contains eleven out of the twelve months of the prior rolling period, right? So it's not yep. like you know they're not all that different. And so if the market is generally trending upwards, yep. most of those rolling ones are going to be uh, are going to be positive. All right. So percentage of time, the S&P 500 has a positive return for a for rolling three year periods of time. Well, it's got to be higher. 80 percent. 80. 84.07. Oh, wow. It's even higher. All right. Percentage of time. The Standard & Poor's 500 has positive returns for five-year rolling periods. Ooh, uh, I will say it's got to be nine. It's got to be in the 90s. 88.16, almost 90% chance in any five-year period of time you have a positive return from the U.S. stock market. It only gets better from here, right, my son? That's okay. Right. If you own the S&P for 10-year rolling, 10-year rolling periods, okay, what's your percentage? I'm going to say, uh, is it is it 95? 94.42. Okay, so by the way, so uh, uh, for there's 1,021 10-year rolling periods, Ooh. and you made money in 964 of them. Hey, would you go to the racetrack? Will that will those odds? You sure as heck would, folks. Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, Rolling. No, just, go ahead. Because you said that, you know, we we very regularly hear more with new clients than old. Um, Older. The uh, what's that? No. no Older. No newer. No, as in as in more recent clients. Yeah, yeah, clients that are did. new to the firm, not <laughs> just busting your chops. Not, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you, so we regularly hear that the stock market is like gambling, and and I and I would I would sort of say, yeah, it is, but but you're the house, right? So yeah. instead of being instead of being the uh, the gambler, you are you know you're the casino, and so there is certainly volatility, right? Because a casino uh, has you know I'm sure has days and and uh, weeks where they don't do as well, but if you stretch it out over a long enough period of time. Um, you know, I can I can promise you that casinos aren't losing money, and, and it's essentially, or at least historically, has been the same with the stock market. Yeah, that's a that's a good comparison. I like that. I, yeah. I may use I may use that. Thank there you. you go. Okay. Oh, feel free. Uh, all right. So, how about rolling fifteen year periods of time owning the U.S. stock market? Um, and I guess we must be up at 97. 99, 99.69. Oh wow. 99.69%. By the way, so for 958 out of 961 possible times, you had a positive return. Yeah. We'll get to what those positive returns were or, or, or pretty soon, by the way. But yeah, and for 20 years, it's 100%. Let's remove all the doubt. Okay, yep. so, so, so here's, you know, folks, if you consider the, oh, by the way, the stock market is gambling. Owning a bunch of well-diversified companies for the rest of your life is not gambling, okay? It's investing. And the odds say that if you own the U.S. stock market for any five-year period of time in history that you could pick up to yesterday, you had an 88% an chance of not losing money. Yeah. Guaranteed. 88. I'm just kidding. 88% chance. That's like almost a 90% chance, right. folks. Think yep. about it, okay? And in 10 years is a lock. It's 94%. Now, those are positive returns. You might have to own them a bit longer to get better, whatever, but not losing money. You know, people who invest don't want to lose money. Your odds are stupendous if you do it over a long enough period of time owning stocks, period. Yeah, and, and if you think, I mean, if you think about those periods, those, those periods are, are pretty much, and I don't, again, I don't know this, but I think I've, 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 I've seen enough stock market data. Essentially, most of those five-year periods are ones that end at a time like 2009, right? I mean, if you look at the five-year return on the stock market uh, in March of 2009, which was kind of the which was the bottom of the market at the time, my guess is yeah. that you know th those are the five-year returns yeah. um, that are that are negative, and and certainly 10 and and you know the the very few 15-year negative returns are yeah. probably happen in, in the depths of a bear market, and yeah. then they you know as soon as the market recovers, it's 
it's uh, you know you're you're back into positive territory. Yeah, so and, and so by the so what I've always d done, and I guess it makes sense given these statistics, is you know my, my definition of being a long-term investor starts at ten years. Yeah. By the way, at five years, the odds are great for a positive return. At ten years, the odds are much better to get the return you were hoping for. Do you know what I mean? Right. So. so, so yeah. We, we, we got to publish those numbers or I might have to make a plaque for the office about that or something. I don't know. I don't think about that. We should be clear that, it, you know, a t 10 years is a long time to go nowhere. I mean, it's yeah. not, we're not, <laughs> I don't think yeah. we should minimize that. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it's it's and again, they're generally speaking, very temporary. Like if, yep. you, if you had a ten, if you had a negative 10 year return yep. in March of 2009, yep. uh, you probably only had to wait a few years to when you have a probably a fairly decent return. Yeah. And by the way, I have that in spades analyzed coming up, my son. Right. I, yes, indeed. I have hard facts behind those accurate statements you just made. OK, right. well, good. All that right. was just off the top of my head. Well, you, know, you, did, you, you didn't make that up. You're citing you're citing history here. OK. So anyway, um, so so the deal is, OK, that the secret to owning stocks is to give them enough time to work. And whether you ignore them, regardless of what they're doing in the five or 10 years or whether you pay attention but don't do anything about it, either one of those works. OK, yeah. you need you, time is your friend if you're an investor in company in growing. By the way, invest in quality stocks for the long term. Speculate on gambling in the stock market for the short term. Pick one. Yep. Okay. We we know which one has worked for a long time and where the odds are in this business. Okay. Anyway, so in the short term, let's just take a minute to talk about the short term stock market, which which I just drew a very hard line between the stock market, what, what goes on there, and investing in great, numerous quality companies all over the planet for a long time. And that's investing. What goes on in the stock market and this GameStop fiasco is a perfect example. Yes, folks, it's gambling. If you're going to play the short-term game of anything in the stock market, oh, I think gold's going up because we're going to have any, anything like that, folks, that's gambling. Okay, period, plain and simple. Okay, we're talking about investing. Different yeah. animal, different set of requirements, different perspective and outlook. Okay? Yep. I'm on a roll here this morning, my son. I'm feeling pretty good about this, you know? <laughs> okay, uh, so anyway, short term, and, and, and this is always kind of tough. Just gonna, I think I'm just going to sit here and not talk the rest. I, I bet okay. you you've been soliloquy this entire two hours. <laughs> I've been doing this for a couple of weeks, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so so let's let's just take a moment um, to look at the stock market and, and what 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 how it really works. Okay, so you know if you took a look at the chart of the Standard and Poor's earnings over a long period of time. Okay, that most of the time they go up. Every once in a while, you have a year or two where they go down a little bit, but the earnings yeah. grow. So, in a perfect world, if you looked at a Standard and Poor's 500 earnings chart, okay, the prices of the Standard and Poor's 500 companies would exactly reflect the earnings that they're making at any given given time. Okay, that's a perfect world. Okay, yep. we don't live in a perfect world. We live in an imperfect world. Okay, so, okay, those companies, they're for sale in the store every day, the stock market store, I like to call it. Okay, and sometimes the prices in the store can run ahead of the actual intrinsic value of the prices of the stocks. Right. Okay. In other words, things can get overpriced. Why? Because people are thinking that things are going to get really good. People are getting greedy. And in the store, in the short term, okay, if more people buy stocks than sell them, they're going to drive up the price, perhaps more than they're intrinsically worth with their earnings. Okay. Yep. The flip side of that is also the case. If a whole bunch of people get nervous that the world's coming to an end, a regular event, uh, more people are going to sell stocks than buy it, and prices are going to go down. Okay, so in the store, due to these two things called greed and fear, people can call it anything you like, but it's I want to make money or I'm afraid to lose it. Th those two emotional things, 
okay, drive the store. Sometimes the value of things in the store is more than they should be, and sometimes they're less than they should be. But over the long run, it'll work. Okay. Um, and it's it just, you know, t- to be clear, yeah. you know, the, the relationship between the earnings in the stock market and the value um, should be related and is related over time. But because everyone is, you know, kind of, you know, the, the prices are all forward looking. It's not, yeah. it's not saying, you know, if it would be, uh, it would be pretty simple and boring if it was, if everyone, if, if every stock analyst just said, uh, well, um, this company is earning this much right now. And so therefore the price ought to be this, right? Based on some multiplier of the price. But, you know, you, you, you probably would not have appropriately priced um, Facebook in the you know early Facebook because they weren't actually making any money, right? The, the tech companies yep. are a pretty great example of this, right? Where yep. Yep. They, they start off, most of them, you know, losing money, but then all of a sudden, if they are able to gain market share, they, you know, they become behemoths and they can, you know, essentially print money. So it's, it's, it's a forward looking uh, pricing system, which is why you get uh, so much volatility. Yeah. But by the way, if, if in 15 years, the real earnings of companies have tripled, that for, you know, you 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 could sell at a bad time fifteen years from now and still make a bunch of money because yep. the whole the whole curve went yeah. higher. And that and that's my point. As long as the earnings continue to drive the chart higher, if you wait long enough, you can't lose money. It's just a question of how much you're going to make given the circumstances. And the wonderful part is, the longer you wait, the less difference it makes given the circumstances. And, and the reason we have pretty quiet market down market periods at our businesses because people understand that and they've yeah. seen it before and it's nothing you ever get used to but it's something you can deal with okay given the circumstances yep. that's just, just how yep. it is okay uh anyway so so yeah folks that's kind of where we are so the the short-term market goings on equals gambling equals greed and fear, equals low probability of success. You only read about the really great ones or the really, really bad ones, but the probabilities are pretty low, okay? Investing in lots of companies diversified across the planet for long periods of time, that's a high probability game, okay? But you gotta be patient. That's how, we're not intrinsically patient people. We live in an instantaneous, I want it all and I want it now world, yeah. okay? Uh, and so patience, okay, is one of the highest uh, traits that you need as an investor and we're preciously short of that, okay? Uh, and then the second thing is, if you don't kind of understand what's going on and you don't believe that that's going to continue, okay, then you're going to have problems as an investor. So patience and and hope, I guess, maybe would be the best way to say that. Understanding that this is how the world really works. Hard to do, but gets easier if you've been through a couple of wars. Do you know what I mean? Or a couple yep. of down periods sort of a thing. Okay. All right. So, 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 so bottom line, Okay, uh, is that you've always, okay, if you did it long enough, made some pretty decent returns in stocks, but owning them could be certainly exciting. Okay, well, okay. Uh, Yeah, let me just take a a quick sidebar, you know, just to uh, make sure everyone understands this, right? So, you know, we we always tell clients to wait, you know, to, uh, to be patient, and that the values of companies are constantly uh, you know, are, are constantly growing because those companies are making more and more money. And, and I, I think if anyone just, you know, takes a minute to think about where they work or worked, uh, you can you can sort of understand why companies continue to make more and more money, right? I mean, you know, in, in any given year or or year period, I can promise you that, that some someone was thinking of something, you know, a, a better way to do something in wherever you worked, right? I mean, whether yep. it's a new piece of technology that comes online, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, uh, you know, the, the, you know, computers made people more efficient and, you know, then you, you know, even if it, you know, in our business, it comes to like little processes that are, oh, how can we make this, you know, this paperwork process more efficient? You know, can we do this online? Is there, is there a, is there a software program that will help us auto fill these, these fields, right? It's, it's a constant, constant evolution and constant, you know, sort of problem solving that, that humans are very good at. And that's really what leads to um, this growth, right? It doesn't mean that every company is going to, is going to stick around forever and get better and better, but somewhere out there, someone's funding, you know, founding a new company, they have a, you know, they have an idea how to make, you know, do something better. And, and, you know, they found that company and that, that 
you know, grows and helps other people make more and more money. So it's just, it's constant human innovation that's essentially driving the capitalism and the profits. It's, you know, it's not. Well, it's the, that that innovation yeah. is allowed and encouraged. Justin. Oh, yeah. 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 But I, mean, yeah. I think humans just naturally do that. And I think, yeah. you know, everyone, everyone does, does that and, and can recognize that in themselves. And that's essentially what is dry, you know, when when given the ability to write. Obviously, there's there are places where you're where not given the ability where it's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. So as long as capitalism exists, I think, in, in some reasonable form, you're probably going to continue to see that. And the stock market is just really a measure of that human innovation. There you go. I, I well said, my bet on humanity, right? Yeah. That's, th thank you, thank you. You sound like your old man sometimes. It's really scary. Okay. <laughs> all right, moving along. Okay, so all right. Um, by the way, this is kind of a corny analysis, but it's the best I can come up with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Imagine it. Okay, imagine it. The stock market and the ups and downs. You know, the above and below the means, the greed and fear. Yep. Okay. The best analogy I can come up with. It's not a good one, but imagine a tree. Okay, growing, uh, growing a tree in your lifetime. You plant a tree in the back in the back. I think you used this one last last week too. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I think it's I think it's a good example. Okay, you, you plant this seedling in when you're when you, your parents plant this seedling when you're one month old in the backyard. Yeah. Okay, the, the, uh, you know the tree's going to grow. Okay, but sometimes you have great seasons and lots of rain and, and lots of sun and there are perfect conditions and that annual ring in the tree is a pretty good, big or a pretty wide one. You know, sometimes you have bad seasons or not much rain or not much nourishment, whatever the deal is, lots of variables. You may get a nowhere movement, you know, for a year or so in the tree. And, and that's kind of like the stock market. Okay, the companies and capitalism are going to continue to grow. And it's just a question of being on that train long enough before it doesn't much matter. You know, if, if you've been investing for 50, and we see this every day when we talk to our long-term clients that have owned things for 10, 15, 20 years. They, you know, if the stock market goes down 50% in a three-month period of time, if your 20-year return was six, it's now five and a half, you know, sort of a thing. And I'm making up an example, but it's pretty close. The, the, yeah. longer, the longer you do things, the less vulnerable you are to downturns because your pile's getting bigger. You know, it's pretty simple. All right, moving along. Okay. Um, so what I, uh, oh, oh, one more thing, one more thing. Okay. Um, the uh, part of the return, when, when you invest in stocks there, or companies, maybe that's less scary. There's two ways you get paid, folks. Okay. One way is, that some of those companies actually produce dividends and pay them, okay, to their shareholders. You can spend them or reinvest them, okay, and then hopefully those companies grow in value. So, so the two ways that you get paid when you own stocks are growth and income, to make it pretty simple, income being called dividends, okay, and for a long period of time, that uh, dividend has been a pretty significant part of the total return of stocks. I, 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 I think if you go back really long periods of time, it's changed in the last 20 years, but if you go back really long periods of time, something like 30 or 40 or 50% of the return from stocks has been dividends. Okay, that has not been the case for probably the last 20 or 25 years due to some structural changes and probably a lot of technology companies, but I'm not sure. But anyway, but, but the bottom line is you still get paid dividends from stocks, okay? And, and one of the things, uh, one of the things that, okay, that people look at, and, and th these numbers are, are pretty amazing. So, so right now you can buy, a 10, and, and these, these numbers are like three or four days old, folks, but bear with me. Okay, right now you can buy a 10-year guaranteed U.S. Treasury, guaranteed to pay a 1.13%. Okay, a couple of days ago, the dividend yield on the Standard & Poor's 500 was 1.56%. Yeah. Holy, holy no, by the way, not guaranteed. Okay, holy cow. You, you know the dividends have grown over time. Right now, the dividends from the S&P 500 are paying more than a 10-year treasury. By the way, that means one of three things. Either stocks are really cheap or bonds are really expensive or both, okay, <laughs> given the circumstances. But folks, okay, a 30-year United States government 
treasury bond uh, like three days ago, bear with me, 1.84%. Guaranteed, no risk. Yeah. Well, that's like three-tenths of a percent more than the yield on the S&P 500. Okay. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying I would guess that that uh, if you bought equal shares of both of those right now, you're going to get paid a lot more dividends from a growing dividend stream that's almost equal to what you're getting from a bond return that stays the same. But anyway, moving along. Okay. But the yeah. point is that dividends are part of the return of many stocks. And by the way, that gives you a little protection against the volatility and you can reinvest them. So that's all. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I ha I'm going to see if I can pull up this data. And yeah, go ahead. What are you looking historical for? Historical relationships. Yeah. Well, while, while you, while oh, yeah, you check yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so folks, th this is historically when bonds uh, have been highly priced, it means that what they pay is low. Well, their bonds are ridiculously highly priced based on their long-term valuations right now. Translation, yields are very low. And by the way, for a very good chunk of uh, recorded history, any time that the dividends from the stock market were close to, equal to, or larger than what you could get from a high-quality 10-year bond, okay, you made money buying stocks at that time. By the way, you'll make money buying stocks anytime you buy them if you hold them long enough. But it sounds weird, but the stock market might be cheaper these days than we think it is. And the bond market certainly is more expensive. But anyway, dividends are an important part. And, and I think I'd rather take a 1.56% dividend that'll probably grow for the rest of my life than a 1.84% dividend that'll stay the same for the next 30 years. No, yeah. con no contest if you don't mind excitement, I guess is the best way to say it. Right? Yeah, I have just some quick data. I mean, that this is another relationship that's that's changed over time and and you know i'm sure there are a variety of reasons for it but you know, if you chart i have the s&p 500 dividend yield going back to uh going back to about the year 2000 and it's been in this you know it's been in the range that it is now right I mean, right now it's one and a half there was a brief time when it was up you know up to uh like up to almost four percent but that was yeah. It was in the dip, you know. That was yeah. in the downturn in two thousand and nine. Yeah, by, by the way, are you? But you're quoting percentages. What are the dollars so people can understand that? Can you see them, or do you don't have that? I, no, I don't have that. I, yeah. I was just gonna. I was just gonna draw a relationship, right? Yeah. Okay, you, I'm sorry. The, the S and P five hundred dividend yield has been sort of reliably, reliably for the last twenty years, anyway. And um, and you know, if you compare that to the to the Treasury rate, right? That you know, that we we keep talking about the U.S. ten year Treasury rate. Um, that has squeezed down, right? If you look back in 2000, the 10-year treasury was uh, around, you know, six and a half percent. Yeah. And it has slowly trended down to now where it's below the S&P 500 dividend rate. Yeah. And yeah. so it's just a, it's a, it's a very strange thing. So now we're, you know, you're in a position where you can get a higher yield in stocks. Yep. But also. Uh, but, but the bottom line, folks, is that like if the Standard Poor's dividend has been like 3%, if it's been constant. Okay. Well, by the way, uh, the, the S&P 500 is four times bigger than it was 20 years ago. So 3% of a number four times bigger is a heck of a lot better number than, you know, one time sort of a thing. That's just kind of where the multiples are sort yep. of a thing. Okay. Uh, all right. So what I, I want to do this is probably a good time to almost take a break what i want to do is yep. i want to do some numbers for the next half an hour okay. and i want to do some people actions okay for after that <laughs> <laughs>